I'm Donnie Piercy, host of the Partial Credit Podcast. We're part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Shooks and Gifts Season 5, Episode 6. In this episode, I am joined by Tom Mullaney, and we talk about spicing up your Google Docs for easy navigation and clarity, stop-motion animation, digital breakouts, a platform for virtual conferences, Google Expeditions, Bitmojis, and Tom's podcast, No Red Pen, including how it got its name. Let's give it a go. Welcome to Shooks and Gifts, the podcast where we share EdTech treasures we love. Each week, we'll share a tool podcast tip or trick with you, our listeners. We are your hosts, Kim Polishuk and Jen Giffen. Let's give it a go. Hey, Tom. Yes, Jen. Why did no one laugh when the king farted in front of his court? I don't know, Jen. Why did no one laugh? Because noble gases do not cause reactions. Welcome, everyone, to Shooks and Gifts Season 5, Episode 6. I am joined today by, I'm having a little bit of a fangirl moment, someone that I've followed for quite a long time. We talked just slightly beforehand. He's like, oh, stop it. He's very, very modest. Um, I We met in person in Philadelphia. I think we narrowed it down to at a Google Energizer. Uh, you may know him from history lessons way back. I think the first time that I saw him online, it was a lot of uh, digital breakouts that were created that were pretty amazing. Um, he hails originally, I think he said from New York. That's is that is that right? So yes, I'm originally from New York. Most of my teaching career was outside of Philadelphia, and now I live in Hillsborough, North Carolina. And there we go. So you heard his voice before I introduce him. Everyone, please welcome to the show the wonderful and the very knowledgeable Tom Mullaney. Tom, welcome to Shooks and Gif. Jen, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Thank you. I really, this is great. I'm, I'm glad. Now, do you want to tell people a little bit more about yourself? You hear my Canadian about there uh, about yourself um, before we like dive into our shares for the for the week. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jen. So my background is actually mostly in special education. I started my teaching career in New York, where that's where I'm from. My wife is from the Philadelphia area, so I moved there and did that. I taught special education about ten years. And then I transitioned to middle and high school social studies. And after that, I moved to North Carolina, where I was an ed tech coach. And now, what with, with the stop in San Francisco in between, I, I've moved a lot. No kidding. Now, <laughs> uh, I, what I do is I just consult full time with districts, almost 100% virtual. So here, me at my desk. And I work with teachers and district staff on meaningfully integrating technology in the classroom. And so, yeah, that's what I do. And so did this transition to like fully virtual and doing that come pre or post COVID? Is it a, a symptom of, or was it like you were a trendsetter and, and knew that this was what was going to be happening? I actually, so I stopped working in education right before the pandemic right. hit. And my first, you know, I've done some, I've done some consulting before I left education. Um, at that time, I was doing virtual consulting, but I, you know, I'd done obviously some in-person stuff before. Yeah. Uh, but that virtual consulting really was kind of, you know, ghost of Christmas future. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
There's so much now that we see like that. Like, oh, we were also talking when we met in Philadelphia, you were helping out with the Anywhere School with Google, which was showing how, hey, you can do all these cool things with all of our cool tools from anywhere. And again, it was a sort of a glimpse. Had had we known then what we know now, uh, I think that room would have been even more full than it was. That's that's very true. I do think, you know, when you think about, I mean, I remember watching here in the States, we have, you know, the beloved Mr. Rogers and XDL did our correspondence school. And we're talking about the 80s. So this is a thing that we've done. I think now because it's tied to the pandemic, you know, it has kind of like a bad connotation, kind of a stressful connotation, but it's yeah. something that's been done over the years for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So why don't we jump into it? You have a bunch of shares. I have a couple. I had, I was telling you, before we went on as well, that I had this one share. It was fantastic. And I just went in and tested it and it's not working. So I'm going to hold that off. So I've only got two. If we get to them, that's great. Um, But, you know, sometimes that happens in technology. So where do you want to start? I'll guess first. What do you want to share with the listeners of all the great stuff that you have? Okay. Well, the first thing, thank you, Jen. I'll start with something that I know you saw this session when we did our recent Google uh, Innovator Spark Camp Saturday. And I did a quick 20 minute session. I won't take 20 minutes now, but <laughs> you can <laughs> about Google Docs. And so Google Docs for years, I kind of ignored Google Docs as far as, you know, I never, you know, if, if I was putting something on social media or on my blog or my YouTube, I wasn't going to talk about Google Docs. To me, it was just a word processor that I liked more than Word, whatever. I used to tell teachers actually that for creativity sake, it would be great if we banned Google Docs for a week and see what teachers and students do. Oh, interesting. Now we get to a, yeah, because think about it. We go to all these conferences, all these events, creativity, four C's, and then you walk into a classroom a week later and everyone's in a Google Doc, right? <laughs> it does end with a C, Doc, so. Yes, that's the fifth C. The fifth C, and it's at the end. <laughs> so what happens then though, is that you have the pandemic and mm-hmm. now Abs, everything has to be crystal clear. That's the most important thing mm-hmm. because teachers are not, you know, they're not there to explain it to you. You might have a video call or whatnot, but all the instructions have to be completely crystal clear. And the guardians need to be able to hop right in without the context of having been in your Google Meet yeah. and know or, exactly what this, yep. Or potentially never having had used Google. How many parents came in from a Microsoft world? Right. Like my husband, he was like, I don't really he's like, I get Google, but I don't really get Google because he's not in education. And I think that the learning curve for the parents who were supporting at home and the guardians and, you know, that loving adult there was huge. A hundred percent. And so what I now so I have I've made a list of tips for teachers for using Google Docs, specifically thinking about this and also thinking about being multimodal because we know and it is, by the way, the number one most used tool in ed tech. I have it linked on my blog post, the survey that or the study that came out that said that. Yeah. And we know our kids like to be multimodal, uh, but Google Docs, it's just pictures and images or excuse me, pictures and text. So what if we could get audio in there? What if we could get video in there? And yeah. so my I'll go over it real quick. One, try and fonts. I know you were talking about fonts last episode. Yeah. Uh, but Lex and fonts have been specifically formulated to, you know, help with reading speed. So try those, give those a whirl. Um, the other, the next tip, you know, people put URLs in docs a lot. 
Don't yeah. do that. Don't right? do that. Yeah. Please yeah. don't do that. I literally just like I put my hand over my head like I have a fever. I, I, I yeah, which doesn't lend well to a podcast. But, but yeah, it's I for me, and we're gonna talk about accessibility. I know in a little bit. Um, for me, it's that big long thing. If I'm in a screen reader and all of a sudden it's reading like blah 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 blah, like that's no good. And you don't know what you're looking for. If you're if you're if you've taught your students to skim and scan a document to look for things, they're not going to be able to find things if it's that ugly URL. Exactly right. And I also think about a URL, how you as a reader, when you see a URL, you just kind of your eyes just kind of glaze over for a minute for just like a split mm -hmm. second. You just are disengaged. Kids might not know what it's pointing to. So you hyperlink text. That's all you have to do. And now if you copy paste the URL into a Google Doc, Google Docs will actually suggest say, hey, do you want to replace the URL with the title? And you just click yes. And then it's the title. So if you have some CNN.com article that has this lengthy URL, they'll just change it for you. Change yeah. it right to the title. Yeah, those just are those guess. the gremlins, the gremlins in your computer just know and they do it. It's amazing. Artificial intelligence. Yeah, pretty, yeah it's pretty nice. Uh, the next thing I would say is take advantage of checklists. So that's a new update for 2021. Mm -hmm. Came out, I think, beginning of summer or late spring. And so now you can have kids check things off. You can make a little checklist. But also, why not have the checklist that hyperlinks, each one hyperlinks to a heading in the doc. So then kids can click down to the heading. And then when they're done, just check check it off, right? This is great for group projects or for giving kids choice. Have fun, yeah. I love that. I love that idea. Actually, I don't. I, I, I've never really thought of it as I thought like hyperlinks to another document. But yeah, within the document itself, like having those bookmarks, having those headings, um, and capitalizing on those because I think that's something that people don't really do in Google Docs. They don't use those built-in features. Um, they will make the font bigger. They make it bold. But using those headings can provide you so much more flexibility in the way that you can navigate that document. That's that's right. And actually, when you click to hyperlink any text, there's a little button at the bottom that says headings and bookmarks. And so you can just do that right there. You don't have to find the URL of the heading. You don't have to don't worry about that. Just click on that headings and bookmarks. The only thing it doesn't work for is title. So yeah, why? if you have a why I don't know that's for the love, that Google, Google for the yeah. love. <laughs> my, my suggested workaround for that would be to put a bookmark at the next to your title get you can if you yeah. click then there's a little copy icon and then that gives you the url so then you can have the words back to top at the bottom you know at, in yeah. any section and then they click that and it takes them to the top That's, okay so i yeah. have a question for you why would i use and i've often struggled with this I was like why do they have title and let's say header one what would be the difference for me if i'm laying out a, a beautiful google doc why would mm. i use the title versus a heading is it personal preference oh. So a couple things. So typically title is reserved for just the top. Got it. Uh, that's and and the other thing is is that headings help with accessibility. It helps mm -hmm. break up the doc into distinct sections. Um the other one th other thing in Google Docs is you know, I don't know if you noticed, but on the left there's now that little menu. Yes. And it will try to use the AI if you're not using headings. Um to try to make it for you. But if it, you use the headings, it's precise. Yes, I noticed that recently. I was in a, a document that was starting to get longer. And so I'd gone through and I'd, I'd put in just, you know, underlined bolded titles without headings because I was like, oh, it's not that big yet. I'm, I'm fine. And it was just for my own use. 
And sure enough, that AI started populating it. I was like, oh, that's new. Like literally within the last two weeks, I've noticed that. But I do agree. I think mm-hmm. using those headings is better practice um, for us just in general when we want to navigate those longer texts. Well, and, and the other, it, the heading comes with the URL, because, you know, or, or something you can link to it. And think about, you know, maybe a student didn't do the seventh out of nine things in your doc and you're emailing them and their guardian. Well, if you have a heading yes. and there's a link, you know, that you just link, hey, this is where you got to go. Don't yeah. have to open up the document and find it. Just and, you, like, and you don't have to have 46 documents to try to find anything in. Like, this is a pet peeve of mine. So in, in my school, I'm one of the co-chairs for our, our heads group. So we have like 30, no, not 30. That's a lie. Maybe there's fewer than that. Anyway, we have our, our school leadership team. There's a whole bunch of us. And generally, the practice has been, has always been, you know, oh, here's our September agenda and here's our September slide deck and then here's our October and our October slide deck. And so you end up having 20 different documents. So if you want to look back, oh, we talked about it last year. When did we talk about this? We have to open Mm. every single one of them. So what I transitioned us to was a single large document and that was based on a practice when I was in district that they had. And we just use the headings. So now if I want to go find something from last year, I have one document to search. I can go all through it, but I can easily navigate it as well. If I'm like, I know it was in November, I can just click that, you know, table of contents link. And if I want to send it to someone, like you said, I just go into that link and say, yeah, check out, you know, the February meeting from last year. Here's the link directly too. So they don't even need to scroll down. Like it couldn't be easier. And, and like you said, sending it home to, you know, the guardians at home, sending it to even student, like my high school students, saying it's right here. It's not like, oh, well, where in this document do I have to navigate to? It's like, here you go. This is exactly where it is. And everything's in one spot. That one, it's, it's like, it's like a, a Walmart, if you would, of, of learning um, with better working conditions, hopefully. I don't know. <laughs> yes, I would, I would hope so. But yes, uh, to put things all in the same place, uh, much, much more effective for sure. Um, speaking of that, let me give you another tip for Google Docs. This is something that anyone can do right now. So if you hyperlink another Google Doc or a Google Slides presentation, then you and your students can immediately just click on it and then click open preview and a little preview panel that you can kind of re- resize and adjust a little bit opens right there in the doc. So you don't have to go into another tab. And to me, like teachers, they're going to have a lot of use for that. Please refer to our Napoleon slide deck and then you, you hyperlink that, right? Yeah. But if I'm the teacher, I'm taking any websites that are just one page. I'm copy pasting them at the very top. I'm putting the credit. You know, this is from the Smithsonian website. And I'm making that a Google Doc and I'm linking that in the in the main Google Doc so that my kids can just read it right there again. No new tab required. This was something that you shared at the Spark Camp that I had I'd seen it and it, it popped up as the preview. But I never, I had, I had before seen the little thing. There's a, there's another little icon that you can press and that's what opens what Tom's talking about in the bottom right-hand corner. Um, but I'd never thought of using it that way that I, I opened it once by accident. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. I see it bigger, big deal. But when you showed it like, hey, you could have them take notes on a presentation as they're going and they can see the slides and they're all in one document. You don't need to worry about split screen. I was like, holy moly, is this ever great? And for all ages, like I'm thinking when my kids were little, like I remember teaching them a lot about Google Docs in second and third grade. They would have been able to navigate this easily that young, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it's it's 
Really nice. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about, actually, we have a, a breaking news word on the street development about. Ooh. So I tell teachers to, you know, in Google Slides, you can add audio with mode, right? That's great. And the kids don't need the extension installed. In Google Docs, you can do the same thing, but the kids need the extension installed, which is a little bit of a hassle, but I highly recommend doing that. Mm -hmm. Now, breaking news, Moat, the free version, will only allow you to record 20 clips of sound in a month. Oh. Yeah, that's a, and they shared that on Twitter at the end of this past, for, you know, week. Uh, it's, that, it's that first week of, of December, has a little November in, it, in 2021. And what I would say about that is that I kind of like Moat more for adding audio as opposed to adding feedback, although adding feedback is a great use of it too. Right. But with your 20 clips, I would highly recommend, you know, if you have lengthy directions in a Google Doc, just record yourself reading them and then yeah. hyperlink the word directions to you reading them. It's multimodal, helps your students who need it. Uh, so that's just one suggestion. Add audio using Moat, but the kids need the extension installed. So how will you get around this then? So in my district, for example, they, they limit big time the extensions that students can um, can get. So our students can't actually download Moat. Teachers can, students can't. Um, we're a huge district, so going to IT and, and getting that resolved isn't always available to us. So what other workaround might you suggest for that if we can't use mode or if we have more than 20? Did people go Padlet crazy, by the way, when they heard this? Like, I feel like this is like a Padlet crazy moment. Do you remember when Padlet made everything like we're not free um, anymore? And the guy was like, hey, I'm a, I'm a one man. Yes, show. I do. Don't get so that. mad at me. I sense that they kind of announced it in the in a, in a thread and the, the big announcement was kind of the second or third tweet. So right. I sense it may not be super widespread at the moment. Total breaking <sighs> news. You heard it. You heard it here first from Tom. Don't shoot the messenger. Yes. Tom and I did not make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I would say is, this is what I can tell you: is that if you're if you record audio to go with your Google Doc, yeah, using Moat, and then the viewer or the student doesn't have the Chrome extension installed, it they will click it. It will pop them into a new tab. Right. So they can hear you doing it. It just doesn't have that benefit of there's a play button right in Google Docs. Right. And staying in there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That works. Yeah. That works. It's just opening a new window. We're trying to avoid it, but sometimes we can't. I'll accept That's it. That's exactly right. Okay. I'll accept it. <laughs> All right. We're actually at six out of seven. So we're almost there. All right. My sixth tip would be you can, you remember those preview panels for docs and slides? Mm -hmm. Guess what? They work for YouTube videos. I as well. know. The other thing that you blew my mind with at that spark, I had no idea that it worked with YouTube videos. This is crazy, so, people. So envision yep. this. Tom's going to walk us through. Visualize this. Go ahead. So you drop a link to a YouTube video in your Google Doc. Even if you do it the wrong way, where you just put the URL, as long as it hyperlinks, it will, the, the kid or the viewer or you clicks once, you click open preview, it plays right there in, um, in Docs. And I mean, think about that for like 360 videos. You can just it, touch screen. You have a touch screen Chromebook. You can move all, all around the video. Uh, it plays right there. You can type in the doc as you view, as you watch the video. Um, it's pretty nice. That's amazing. Yeah, it's yes. it's amazing. It's right there. And that again, it, the distractions of YouTube that we get when students go over and they're like, oh, hey. 
I'm going to go to YouTube. Oh, there's that video about Minecraft that I love. And I'm going to go down that rabbit hole. We keep them like, right. We can keep them in that walled garden, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, so that they're not distracted. I love that. Yes. And then the last one for Google Docs is, and this goes back to being explicit and clear with your kids, is there is now a, a feature in Google Docs called Smart Chips. So and yes, when you use them, they, uh, for say a doc drawing sheet slide, PDF, or YouTube video, uh, other things come up like a Google Calendar event you can do this with. And there's a little calendar icon. It's not very colorful, but okay. <laughs> um, it's like a, it's like a gray background. It's kind of like it's oval shape and you see the favicon. So you know exactly, oh, this is a Google doc. Oh, this is a YouTube video. Oh, this is a Google, uh, you know, slides presentation. The way you create smart chips, well, the first way, the way that Google is teaching everyone is with the at key. Now, what I will tell you is the at key has more function than that now. So if you do at, Mm -hmm. You can you you type the at key in a Google Doc. It will let you. Hey, do you want to make a bulleted list? Do you want to make a this? Do you want to make a that? It's a lot of stuff. And so some people I think have because what you're supposed to do is type at and then whatever the title of your doc or your slides are, right? Yeah. What I would suggest if you want to make smart chips the way I always make the smart chips is go get the sharing URL of that Google Drive file. Okay. Paste that in, and it will actually prompt you just like with the title it will say do you want to make this a link or a chip a link will actually be the title so that's still good web practice but the chip is the very clear with the favicon uh, for youtube videos same thing you can't do at but you can do paste the url it will prompt you do you want to make this a chip go ahead and do that I love that. Yeah, because sometimes I find too with the chips, I'll put the at. And I had a student ask me about this. Um, she she actually listens to Shooks and Gif. She, said she found the podcast once and she's like, Miss, there's such great tips here for us. I'm like, I'm glad you like it. She wants to be a teacher. So I think it applies to her. Um, but Maria said to me, Miss, sometimes when I put that at sign, because she was showing me smart chips when they first came out, we were talking about them at school. And she said, sometimes I put it and I can't actually find what I'm looking for. I type the exact title and it doesn't come up. So you might, you might need to use a workaround from time to time. So I don't think like that Tom is lying to you that it, that it works. It does work. It's just that especially if you have a it, lot in your um, in your drive, it it takes a while to find it, right? It does. I highly recommend just using the the Google Drive sharing URL, and actually it will prompt you. Not only does it prompt you if it's hyperlinked, but right when you do that, it almost always says, "Do you want to click tab to make this a smart chip?" So just do that and it's, oh. it's very, very easy to do. I don't think I've seen the tab. I love that. Just a single keystroke. Yep. I'm all about shortboard or shortcuts on the keyboard. Short shortboards. Yeah. There, I even I even made that even shorter. That's what I'm gonna call them from now on. <laughs> That's amazing. So those are seven phenomenal, phenomenal tips to to make your um, Google Google Docs more, I don't know, can we say sexy? Can we like sexify them? I don't think that's right. I don't think we want to do that in education. And we need, we need another word that's less, that's still the glamour without the connotation. I think that, <laughs> I think maybe conspicuous or clear maybe. Okay, conspicuous or clear. But... Yeah, it's not as sexy. <laughs> right, one. right. It's not maybe not as exciting. The marketing. Could be there we improved. go. Maybe exciting. I know. Uh, we'll work on that. We'll we'll, we'll get the team on that. <laughs> All right. And you also have shared here in the the show notes an example of your French Revolution study guide, so that people can see everything oh. you've talked about in action. Yes. So that's a Google Doc where if you click it, feel free to make a copy, use it for yourself. But I think I've used those, incorporated those tips in that document. So take a look at that and that will give you some idea of what they look like in an actual Google Doc. 
Yeah, because sometimes it's hard to see, right? Like this is the thing with podcasts and a podcast that's showing technology is great, but what happens sometimes you need to see it. And if you can't see it, then it's hard to visualize. So um, yeah, pop, pop in there and, and give it a look. Okay, lots of ahas there. And I remember you shared a lot of these and do we want to, maybe we skip ahead. You shared this as an episode on your own podcast. Why don't you give that a plug right now? Because I love, we've talked about it here. So people have heard about No Red Pen, but go ahead. Oh, absolutely. Yes, thank you, Jen. So I have a podcast, it's called No Red Pen. The name comes from, now again, you might have to be, I'm dating myself here. But in the early 2000s, the book that was all the rage for people getting into teaching was, uh, first days of school by Harry and Rosemary Wong, and oh, yeah. he had a, yeah. that book. Uh, they had a lot of hard and fast rules that teachers do to be effective, and one of them was this great rule that took into account kids' experiences in the classroom, and that was never grade papers with a red pen. Yes, and I love that. I mean, I can't believe that back in like the '90s someone was thinking about the effects of school on kids because you've never heard that stuff. Now it's all we hear about and yeah. that's great. It was, but it was, it was very rare back then. And so I never, you know, years before technology became a big part of my practice, I never used a red pen. And I just, what, think, color, you know, what color did you use? I tried, you know what? I have this weird bias about blue pens. I, I feel like maybe it's because if you get something with a blue pen signature, you know that the person probably did it a black pen feels like it's a photocopier so i always had a very like i always was like blue okay for some reason i was purple i was purple i have that that was actually required so i i started teaching in 2001 and okay. at the in 2000 i think it was part of my my teachers college year like at the faculty i think that was a required text in one of my courses the book by the Wong, since I still have it somewhere. And I do like it every now and then I read it. And for my first, I want to say 10 years, I would, I would give it to student teachers as a like, thank you at the end when I, when I had, when I was a host oh, okay. teacher, um, I would, I haven't visited in a while though. I wonder if we were to go back and read and see how, how many things still hold. Right. Does it hold up? Yeah. <laughs> I, but I there, don't know. there I is know. something I had, a, I had a student once and I, when I do keynote addra addresses, I often will talk about Dan, this one uh, student, who I taught in the early 2000s and he said to me one day he's like well when I get it back like they they just they've written all over it and it's way better than what I could say and he hadn't even been reading the comments like some of them were like oh this is fantastic but the minute he saw that red pen on his paper he thought okay they're they're changing my words to make it sound better and with all of this red pen on it this is all their words and all my words are bad and all their words are good so yeah the psychology the psychology rather behind right. this is one thing right. so this is where the name comes from go ahead anyway that's where the that's a lot to say about the name but i unfortunately i'm not uh, super regular with it but i do know in in this month in december 2021 i'm going to have a couple episodes about my favorite google updates for the year and my wishes uh for google in the future Oh, uh, so for those, the loves. Those be, yes. So um, come in, Yeah. So this month in December, I know I'm going to have a couple episodes. And I just like to, you know, share what, what you know, things I think would be useful for teachers about uh, educational technology. Uh, so thank you for the plug, Jen. Much appreciated. Yeah. No, I, I love it. What I love about it is when you when you came out with it is they're short. I have, have you even had one over 30 minutes? I think they're, they're mostly like 15 to 20 minutes long. Am I right? I that is exactly right. Yeah, uh, I know that because I'm editing uh, an episode right now, and that's exactly right. And you know, I think I have a bias because I once had a commute that was 20 minutes, and I once had a 
I listened to a podcast episode. I forget what the podcast was that lasted exactly 20 minutes door to door. And that made that gave me a little bias towards doing that length. I, I am the same. I, I like it to be short. I like Shooks and Gift to be under 40. I told you that when we booked this. I don't often do that because um, we get going and I get excited. Um, but there is something for short. So if, if you're like, oh, another podcast, I don't know if I have time. It is it, it is quick. I love it. I listen to everything in double time. So I'm 10 minutes. I have a 13 minute commute to work so I can listen to Tom's podcast one way. Like I get to school. It's done. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. That's good. okay. So that's that's no red pen. I'm going to share something here just quickly. It doesn't lend itself super nicely to um, to a podcast because it's more visual. But I found a really cool new stop motion um, program. It's called Cloud Stop Motion. I will link it in the uh, in the show notes. But it's at it's app dot cloud stop motion dot com and you can go in you can register if you want to save your your stop motion you don't have to have you ever seen this tom have you seen so i haven't but i have it up up on my browser and this looks really useful go ahead yeah so my kids my own children love stop motion it's one of the things so we we limit as i've talked about a number of times on the show i I limit their screen time a fair bit just because i know for for my family and for how we operate and for how my kids function once they're off screens if they've been on them for a long time we like to limit it um and the one thing that we do allow them to do on screens pretty much at any time if they want to, though, is stop motion. So they grab their iPads and they start doing it. And we were looking for alternatives because the program that we had been using, the app that we had been using, is no longer supported. And so it's getting glitchy and it's not updating with the new updates. And we were all upset. And it was one that we had paid for, not a lot. Um, and it was b- done by the National Film Board here in, in Canada. And I thought, oh, can we find? And I started going, and this was one that I found, and I liked it. I haven't actually tried it on the iPads, to be perfectly honest, but I liked it because of all the Chromebooks that we have. Like, we're not, we don't have a lot of iPads in my district. Um, it's certainly um, fewer than we do Chromebooks. And this allows you to create a new project and take your frames and take pictures, which I love, especially if you have those Chromebooks that have the, the two-way cameras. Mm. Um, students could take these pictures. I like that it shows you um, the almost what what do they get like the shadowing of your last frame? So if you've moved the device slightly, you can get that back so that you know because this is one thing when my kids started creating it, it was like, oh, this is fantastic. I feel like I'm in a fun house because it was like all over the place. They didn't they didn't have a tripod and they were moving it. And this will help with that. You can export. It seems to be fairly unlimited. There's a whole bunch of different features in here that I think are really cool. So if you're looking for something students to do, you know, this is, we're in December. I know in my district, we have two more weeks of school and you're like, oh, we're winding down. It's been a rough go. Um, we're, we're in a hybrid situation, Tom. So, you know, we have kids at home, we have kids at school, teachers are exhausted. I, I actually saw teachers probably happy for the first time since maybe the first week of school yesterday. And I think it's because they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, okay, I have mm. the two weeks, we're good. Um, we're going back to sort of a more regular timetable. And we'll see how that goes. Anyway, we um, I, I think this could be a lot of fun to to look at before the holidays. Say, okay, pick something we've already learned this year and create a stop motion about it. Um, it's accessible, again, for privacy for students. I like that they don't have to sign in, although then they'd have to do it all at one time. But I love stop motion. I, I think it's a lot of fun. It allows students to really be creative in so many different ways. And this is a good tool to do that. Yes, this is. And I'm looking at it now. It's all web-based. So everything's mm-hmm. on the web. And... You know, I know that, you know, there's a lot of people who do this in Google Slides, but at the same time, it gives you like a little editor 
This, that's pretty neat. Uh, yeah, but, uh, and it's know, free. It's free. I buried the lead. Free. It's free. 100% free. Really cool. So we'll see how long that lasts. But um, there is something down here that says schools and organizations. So I don't, I don't, what is this? Um, free with unlimited student users, two gigabyte storage, unlimited students accounts. So I guess you can create this like within. Register for free accounts if you want. You can try without signing up. So mm-hmm. give it, give it a go. I don't know. We like stop motion. We've talked about it a few times, especially Kim and I used to. We used to do this stop motion with slides a lot. Um, and she she would do that with, well, she taught me how to do it in Google Slides. So I see there's a little puppy. Tom has a, Tom has a dog in the background. I can't, I can't. And they had a cat. Oh my gosh. It's like, it's like a zoo. Oh my, what's coming next? All right. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that that first, that dog is a yeah. cat. No, I only saw the tail. Is it just a really big cat? I, really I love this Sorry. tom i love the big cat i recently i can commiserate we recently had someone come in to do some tech support on my husband's computer his motherboard fried and one of our cats was sitting near the door and the technician was trying to leave and he's like oh will she get out and we're like oh no no he won't it's a he and he's like oh i thought it was a pregnant cat because that's how fat my male cat is he thought it was a pregnant woman <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was hilarious. So I just saw so, the tail. So sorry, kitty. Sorry, big kitty. Right. The the big kitty is is not pregnant. Um, more like uh, if you remember Gumby, just just huge. Just okay. limbs are massive. Tail is massive. I love that. Uh, we we didn't want to get a lion, but that's but what you we did. Adopted. That's good. Yep. Yeah. See, I got a, I got a bit of a, a tiger, and my cat's orange. And the kids said we should name it Garfield. And I feel like we really missed the boat. Like we should, we really should have named it Garfield because it's a big fat orange cat. But I love them. I love cats. <laughs> anyway, sorry, kitty. It's not a puppy. <laughs> okay. So back to ed tech. Um, that is stop motion or cloud stop motion. Give it a go completely online. I think it's pretty cool. Okay, Tom, you have some other ones here for us. All right. Well, just real quick, I'll share. I put on on the Shooks and Gift website my digital breakouts. Digital breakouts are these digital escape rooms. So uh, over the years, working with teachers or just, you know, on my own feeling the need to be creative, I made. Uh, about 20-ish of them, 25 maybe, yeah. and mostly a lot of U.S. history, but also a handful of math, a couple of ELA, a handful of science over the years. And what they are is basically, you know, you use Google Form, you have these locks or codes that kids have to crack based on hints they see throughout the website. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're linked. Uh, feel free to take a look at them. And, you know, I, I was saying the other day, I don't even create any of them anymore because I have to update I feel like I have to update, you know, just make them, keep them looking nice and yeah. keep them looking uh, decent. So anyway, if you, you know, if, if you're a teacher and you want a digital escape room, have a look there because I may have something for you. Again, a really good activity coming into the break if you sort of want those fun things. I love to have students um, participate in the breakouts and then create their own because mm-hmm. not only do they have to think critically about your content, but they really have to learn the ins and outs of the tools, right? Of Google forms, uh, using things like that data validation, um, layouts, things like that in Google sites. I think that's all really important. Um, so uh, do you provide, and I'm asking you this, I'm, I'm setting you up a little bit. Do you provide the solution? So if I wanted to do this and okay. I'm like, Oh, do you do it? Tell me. So uh, for each one, at mm-hmm. the very bottom of the page, you see my email address and you can email me. And what I've done for almost all of them, maybe one or two I haven't done this for, is I have a Google Doc of hints that I've created that if you reach out to me, I will share. And, you know, I, and I can tell you're a teacher or, I, you know, if I, if I have questions, I Google it or, I, you know, yeah. I don't want to give this stuff out. 
and I, it's a Google Doc, and I will share. You know, you'll get viewer access, and and that you know, so, so you know, over the years, you know, some of these are like four or five years old. Things just change, or you know, web. I, so it's weird. I wind up updating them pretty frequently. Right. Uh, anyway, so uh, yes, you can get, uh, and, and basically what that what those do. I don't just tell you it because if I just tell you it, you can't show your kids how to get there. Uh, what I do is I kind of lay out the path and say this, you know, once you hear this, you know, once you see this, you'll, you'll get it. Um, the other thing I would just point out is that all the ones I've created basically are end of unit activities. Mm -hmm. So we learn something, let's kind of consolidate and review. Um, you know, if you're, I, I've had people who reach out to me who are more generalists, like, you know, librarians who, oh, I want to use this with a teacher. And my, my goal is if you're playing this, you're in the unit, you know, you, you've been learning this stuff. So sometimes for adults who maybe don't know the content as well, because they're not in high school anymore, right? Uh, it could be a little challenging, but again, those keys are there. So. Okay, good. I ask because I have, I have a couple of breakouts um, out there. I created one that's really generic as like an intro to them and it's called, it's, it, it's your birthday. And you have basically there's this like party happening and you're really excited and you have to solve the clues and it's just a good intro too. But I have people, I actually played it with some friends a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was telling, they're both teachers and I was telling them about it and I looked back to the form and there was like over 5,700 plays or something, which is like pretty incredible. And I've had a, on a handful of occasions, a teacher reach out and ask me for the solution. Can you just send me the solutions? And I said, you know, I think it's important that you struggle alongside the students so you can model that. Um, and then it's not, oh, the teacher knows the answer. So let's show what the teacher knows. And I said, is there a particular one that you need a hint for? And I've, I've Twice I've had the teachers come back at me like, I don't understand why you just don't want to give this, <laughs> like lose their minds on this like free thing I'm putting. I'm like, I don't think you understand. I don't think you understood the assignment. Do you know that TikTok trend that's going around right now? I understood the assignment. I'm like, I don't think you understood the assignment. Um, so I, I find it funny on how to do that. And I, and I always tell people when I'm introducing uh, breakouts, make sure you know that if you go to, you know, there's repositories all over, a lot of them will not provide the solutions. You're going to have to struggle alongside the kids and be okay with the fact that you may not break out. Because if you went to a, a physical, like an actual room, that might happen too. Yeah, and, you know, I would just say to any teacher and I look, I get this is a really tough time. Uh, what I would say is that, you know, you don't know me from I, I, I could be I could be yeah. a maniac. You know, so <laughs> I want you to try what I've done first. Please right. try it. And just so that you can verify, oh, this is worth my kid's time. Right. I want you to do that. Um, the other thing is I don't want, you know, if, if there's a, one of the codes is Jen, J-E-N. Yeah. And you know, the teacher just says, oh, I just emailed the guy, it's J-E-N. And every both teacher and students are sitting there like, what, how is that, you know? So, but I'm pretty detailed in the path I give you. Oh, if you click this, then you'll see right. that, which tell, you know. Yeah, I, I think that's important. I think the struggle, that's part of it with it, right? Like when, yeah. when they created uh, Breakout EDU and then when, you know, um, Justin and Mari went and said, hey, I think we can do this digitally, um, it, it was about the struggle. It was about working through that struggle together and that collaboration. So I think that's important. Okay, my last share is something that I've actually had on the on the back burner for the show for a bit. It may not be applicable to everyone, but if you are in a situation where you are looking to um, have an online conference, no matter how big or small, um, there is a free version, but it's 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 quite limited. Um, 
I was part of a conference that used something called social hour earlier this year. And I really liked the interface. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Instead of just like Zoom and breakout rooms and things like that, um, it allowed you to have, first of all, you could walk in and there'd be a stage and it would show there's like all these little circles. And as people came in, they could say, oh, I want to go sit here. And they would click one of the little circles and like virtually sit in a seat so you could see. There's a wall along the back, just like at a real conference where people like walk into the room and then just stand and say like, I'm going to lurk. And if I want to stay, I'll stay. And if I don't, I take off. Um, there's also a, a setup that you can do with tables. So instead of coming in and sitting at individual seats, you can come and sit at a table and then you'd have the stage and there's like one person at the top. Um, but on in your little table, you can see everyone and you can actually have a mic with only that small group. So if you, you know, the speaker's like, okay, now speak to your table group about this for the next five minutes. Um, you can do everything like normal, like you share screen. Um, there's emoji feedback in there. So you'd be, as a presenter, I was sitting there and then all of a sudden I'd see all these like clapping emojis over people's faces at their table or at their seat, which I really loved. So, cause that's been really hard, right? Presenting virtually has been hard cause you don't know the reaction like I feed off a crowd um I've become better at presenting online I'm, I'm sure because I start to think of it like the podcast like okay well I don't know if they're in their car laughing at that joke or if they're nodding their head saying oh this is exactly what I needed until I get the feedback afterwards on social you have no idea um so I liked that aspect of it. They have like icebreaker topics that you can put in. There's like music, there's games. There's also a photo booth. So that can be one of the rooms that you go to and people can share photos of themselves virtually, which I thought was funny, like where they're learning from or um, things like that. Uh, you can have virtual backgrounds. There's like a ton. So if you're looking to do any kind of of sort of learning virtually because you know with Omicron now out the the newest variant we don't know what things are going to look like I, I don't think anytime soon there's the virtual conferences aren't going away I think we're still gonna have live but I can also see a lot of districts being like why am I going to send you and, and pay for airfare and pay for you know or gas or whatever it happens to be when we can do this from the comfort of our own home and you know if you have a family at home or even you know a giant cat that requires you to take care of them then you may not want to travel that much so they talk about you know company events talk about trade shows virtual conferences but they also have smaller events so um, for a hundred dollars you can do 60 minutes up to 40 guests you can have a room you can play the videos you play games and music um, it's all there. It might be something worth looking into if your district is looking to host something and you're looking for a platform. And I know the people who were organizing had said that they they really liked the customer support and that they found the platform quite easy to navigate from the organizer lens. Yeah, this looks nice. And what I do like is that people can have those kind of personalized reactions. That's one thing I hope uh, that Google Workspace and Google Classroom work on in the future is letting people and spe specifically specifically easy for me to say students <laughs> express themselves and yeah. so i that's definitely something i see here that i think is uh pretty useful yeah yeah it was a lot of fun okay you have you have one more and then then we're gonna oh. we're gonna we're gonna circle back to a hot topic at the end but all right you well, have stuff I'll, on expeditions yeah well you know what let's just start off with uh a somewhat lukewarm topic while we're at it uh, and so that's Google Expeditions. And so, and I want you to think there's two different audiences here. There's like, there's us in like, like you and me, Jen, who are very focused on the educational technology and, and we're following that. And then there's the classroom teacher, right? Mm -hmm. And so Google Expeditions went away this year. Bye-bye, right? Oh my God, cry face. Cry face emoji. Yeah. <laughs> and what, and, and, you know, when people ask, hey, why are you doing that? Google basically said, we didn't have the classroom usage. 
And to me, that says that those kits were way too unwieldy. They were way too much. And a classroom teacher had no time for that. And they weren't doing it. And, and I, you know, I loved expeditions. I use it with iPads. It was so much easier and more, uh, uh, with iPads. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And so I have linked is my getting started with their now in Google arts and culture. Yeah. So they are on the web. Um, they're not all of them. The AR ones didn't make it. Not all the VR ones made it uh, at the same time for those that are still there, you get, uh, you know, you, you can link it in Google classroom. Kids can refer back to it. There's text on screen, which was not part of Google Expeditions before. So there are a lot of benefits. And like I said, if you want to get started with that and just kind of, you know, I, I did a blog post where I kind of laid out what you would do. Again, I know that a lot of us in the ed tech space weren't thrilled about that, but I think this so is sad. actually a lot more. Yeah, I, th I think it's a lot more useful for classroom teachers that are now. Yeah, certainly the price point, like the kits, and I, I played with the kits. We didn't have any, but I, I was at different places where I was able to play. It was amazing. You could put on those VR goggles and like be there and be like, oh my gosh, I'm at the Eiffel Tower. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in one, like almost crying because I felt like I was right there. Um, so those were good. Now, can you still, I, I feel like I know the answer, but I can't remember. Can you still create your own expeditions? The answer to that is a big no. <laughs> um, and what I will say is that the when you could create them with the what was called Tour Creator. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's one. That was a really nice tool. It came in, in it came to life in Ju May, June 2018. And it was they announced it in November, December 2020 that it was going away and went away in June of this 2021. And that I'm telling you right now, the best replacement I can think of for that is Google Earth Projects, because at least in Google Earth Projects, you can always hop into Street View. So if you have a destination, you can go into Street View and then look around. But it is that's as close as I'm. You know, people are putting alternatives out there. The best I can come up with is just make it a Google Earth Project. Okay. I'm going to explore that a little bit more because I know we used to do, because um, I'm a nerd, I would have my own kids go through expeditions, be like, guys, you want to learn about this? And they, they're young and they're curious. And they're like, yeah, they, and off they would go. They now do a little bit of, of stuff in Google Earth. They, kids love Google Earth. There's another thing. If you're looking for something right before the holidays and you need to, to you know, tie up an hour or two, just send students out, be like, explore the earth, go. And Google Earth can tie up hours of time, I find, for kids. It's amazing yeah uh, amazing okay so tom asked me not to talk about this at the beginning so i didn't i respected his wishes but as part of shooks and gif when i have guests on i ask oh can you send me your bitmoji or your memoji and and that's to put in my show notes so i can have you know it's just like easy and he wrote back and he said i don't have a bitmoji we can talk about it on the show and that was it i was like <gasps> i i I sort of thought a law had been passed somewhere around 2019 that all educators must have a Bitmoji. I really thought it was like you lost certification if you didn't have one. So like I maybe I misread the memo. I don't know. Tell me, Tom, why all no right, Bitmoji? So let me just tell the brief story of me and, and Bitmoji. So I actually did have a Bitmoji. This is about 2015 uh, or 16, 2016. And I liked that I could, you know, it, with the Bitmoji extension, you can make it say anything. It is yes. what it is. I'm happy. I'm sad. Whatever. It's it's really cool. That I liked. I put my Bitmoji on a couple social media posts, okay. and I had two reactions. Uh, one was from a friend who worked in tech, and one was from my wife. And but and she works in tech. She works in web de uh, development. Okay. 
And both of them just kind of recoiled in horror. They both were kind of <laughs> like, wow, that is so corny. What are you doing? Don't do that. Um, really? And so I kind of, and, and, and so I was, I, I was like, okay, point taken. Fair enough. I, I, I see your point. And so I dropped off the Bitmoji. And then after that, Bitmoji and education, you know, you, the trend line just went way up. Oh, yeah. I, I will say, so a couple things that occur to me now is one, oftentimes I think people don't look like their Bitmoji. So what's the point? Okay, first of all, my Bitmoji is almost a carbon copy. I People, strangers after presentations will say to me, I can't believe how much your Bitmoji looks like you. But I do agree. Okay. Like sometimes they do not look like them at all. I'm like, and I do not like it when people use their Bitmoji. People, please, for the love, stop this as their profile picture. Because then when I meet you in real life and you come up to me yeah. and you're like, Jen, hi. And I'm like, hi and I've talked to you a number of times and then I feel like a jerk because I don't recognize who you are because guess what you are not a bitmoji in real life I don't like that yeah uh yes and the other thing I will say and again this is my middle and high school background the youngest I ever taught was fourth grade mm -hmm. and so thinking about my middle schoolers thinking about my high schoolers I just have a hard time imagining if I you know, first day of school and here's my Bitmoji and I'm putting my Bitmoji on my notes documents and I'm putting, I just, I don't think they would really respond to that very well. Well, so. there you go. See, I include my Bitmoji in a lot of presentations that we do. And again, the kids are like, miss, your Bitmoji really looks like you. And they laugh and they're asking me why I don't have a Memoji and that. So I don't, I don't find they, they buy out. What I will say, and this was something we alluded to before the show went on, is I am not, I've created some, but limited I'm not a massive fan of the bitmoji classroom for a few reasons number one I don't think well no I don't think they are not accessible if I uh, if I have low vision if I'm blind and I put it into a screen reader for a google slide you're not going to get anything so I don't think they're accessible and that was the the biggest reason I really stopped creating them um, I mm -hmm. knew a lot of teacher librarians who were creating them during the pandemic and putting them out as a, a very visual way for students to um, navigate you know resources and I thought that was great but then I thought no because if if I have a student or a handful of students who can't access this then it's not worth it there's other ways that I can put this out that are more right. accessible so that was my first one number two um, they they're they're really cute but I don't think the, the return on the investment isn't great for me. They take a long time to create. I can be a bit of a perfectionist and I don't want to have to put that much time into it in, for what I get back from it. Now, if I if one that I can update and like I have one for like uh, indigenous resources for my library learning commons, I put new books on that. That one I can do like I can see for a library, but for like a one off lesson, I don't know that it's worth the time. I think I could spend just as much time to create something even more rich right? Like a Google expedition, if they still existed, um, or, or even a, a breakout for students for review. And finally, they're not really easy for students or their guardians to navigate. I know that when we were learning at home of through a lot of the last year and a half, I would know where to click because I've created them. But when my husband was helping my kids and the kids at the time, especially my younger guys were in third grade, They'd be like, I, what? She says that I should play something. Where do I play? They didn't know they had to click on like the radio icon because they're like, they don't own mm -hmm. a radio. They don't know what that looks like. So there's a lot of bias that goes in to them in the creation. 
Um, no, I'm not. We're we're gonna get lambasted. No one, people are gonna stop listening to Shooks and Gif because they're like, she hates emojis. She had a guest on who corroborated. Um, it's not that. It's it's for me. It's not that. It was just I, th- I think we need to give a little bit of pause on the resource and the accessibility of them. I agree with all that. I know, and I, you know, and, and by the way, you did say you use one with your presentations. You use so yes. to be clear, the heel turn was a hundred percent for me, and you know, eighty five percent for you. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just that's that's just one person's take on it, and that's uh, you know. Anyway, we need to know if if you also are an anti bitmojier. You can hashtag no bitmoji for me, hashtag shooks and gif. And we'll see. We'll see if we, if we have like a 10 person trend. I feel like there's other people who don't either. And, and, and I think it goes back to, it doesn't look like me. They're like, they create it and they're like, man, like my husband's bitmoji doesn't look like him. His memoji, because of course I've, I've bullied him. Like your spouse bullied you out of creating one or having one. Right, I, bully, yes. I bullied my husband into having one, but you need one. Why? And I actually, for Mother's Day one year, made one for my mom who also looks exactly like my mom. And every time she sends me the bitmoji, I giggle because I'm like, this is totally if someone made a character of my mom what it would look like so there's something about and i look a lot like my mom so there's something about our face structure i guess that lends itself to a bitmoji but who knows right hmm anyway there you go we'll see we'll see are you team bitmoji or or team no moji that's what we need to do hashtag it's like hard hard g versus soft g for the for the gif gif and clearly it's a hard g and we all know why because we listen and we know my name okay tom do you have anything else that you want to share with listeners before we sign off here today Wow, no, th- uh, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. And if you, you like hearing my voice and you like educational technology podcasts, check out my No Red Pen podcast. But no, thank you so much. And, and, and yeah, this has been great. And I appreciate the uh, cloud stop motion is something I got to uh, yeah, next time go, I'm go thinking about creativity. It. Take a look at that. That'd be great. Yeah, I, I really do encourage you, like Tom said, to give uh, No Red Pen a listen. It's short. It's sweet. It's always really helpful. I, um, I in fact, when he shared a lot of the docs, um, uh, when was that? That was in the early in the new school year, right? It was like September, October. Is that right? September. Yeah. Yeah. I remember listening to it. I got to school. I listened to it again in front of my computer because it was just so like, oh my gosh, I... I need to learn all of this right now. And I wanted to put it into action. So it's definitely actionable. And if you like our little shares here on Shooks and Gif, you're going to love No Red Pen. And at that, hopefully we've given you an aha. And hopefully you'll give it a go. We will see you all. See in quotations because it's a podcast. So we never see you. But you will hear us all again soon. Be well, everyone. Take care. That's it for this week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you think others might enjoy some of this learning, please give us a rating. Show notes for this and all episodes can be found at shooksandgif.com. That's S-H-U-K-E-S-A-N-D-G-I-F-F dot com. As always, we would love to hear your ahas on the Anchor app. On our website, on the embedded Flipgrid. Or by tweeting at us, sending us an email. Or talking to us in real life. I'm Kim Polishuk, and I can be found on Twitter at Kim Polishuk. And I'm Jen Giffen, and I can be found at Virtual GIF with two Fs. Thanks for listening to Shooks and GIF. And as always, have an aha, give it a go. Shooks and GIF is a proud member of Voice Ed Radio. Your voice is right here. For more great content, 
go to voiced.ca.